Welcome to another podcast by Victoria Point Baptist Church. We are glad you have joined us today. If you would like to connect with us as we aim to introduce people to Jesus by connecting with our local community and beyond, you can find out more at vpbc.com.au. Uh, we continue in our series where dry bones coming to life uh, is our theme for the year, the whole year. And uh, in the recent weeks, we've been looking in, in particularly at personal renewal, uh, or how does that engage us personally? How does that affect us? Uh, what do we need to do? What is God calling for us to do? And so we're going to be looking at that today as we look at Psalm 51, uh, as we look at uh, King David, and we're going to look at a life of repentance uh, and what that really means and why it's important. And uh, sometimes as Christians, we can uh, lose sight of that. We're going to discuss that a little bit today. There's some really good truth about forgiveness that affects repentance, uh, but uh, we still need to have an understanding of where it fits in. And uh, I trust that that will be clear to you today and you'll be encouraged by that. Would you join with me as we pray? Uh, God, for your goodness to us, uh, in Jesus, we say thank you uh, for the life that we have in him for the hope and the joy and the peace. And Father God, I pray today that by your Spirit, uh, that you would just encourage us this morning, that you draw us close to you, and that we'd understand something of the power of this wonderful gospel, this good news of Jesus, that we'd understand how it works and how it works for us, and that we would be set free, but also set free to journey with you. And uh, I pray, Father God, that you would take the words that are spoken today and you'd speak your truth, your purposes, your encouragement, your love. May you be the one that's lifted up this morning and may we leave here believing and having understood that we've met with the living God. Would you make your response just a short prayer? You need to endure this one way or the other, so you might as well enjoy it. (laughs) Why don't you pray, God, speak to me. Uh, challenge me, draw me to yourself. And we pray all these things in the wonderful and that sweet name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, Obviously, God has great integrity of character. His holiness uh, is not something that we would dispute I particularly appreciate God's integrity in how he presents his word to us in the Bible. Uh, In particular, I appreciate how there's no cover-ups. It's sort of a warts and all type presentation. It's, It's something where we see biblical heroes who are doing great things also failing big time and failing often. And I I like the integrity of the scriptures that if you're out to impress people or or to convince people that you'd only put in all the good stuff, Uh, but God constantly and continually, uh, there's nothing hidden. We get to see people uh, as they are. We get an insight on, I suppose, the brokenness of humanity and the things that we're all capable of. And so I I really appreciate the way that biblical heroes, uh, we get to see their whole story and their whole life. Um, I'm not enjoying watching biblical heroes fail. It doesn't give me any pleasure to see anyone fall over, but it helps me immensely because I realise God won't give up on me either and he won't give up on you. 
And so as we see these biblical heroes do amazing things, but we also see them fail and mess up big time, you and I can be greatly encouraged that the heart of God is still for us, even when we fail. And that's significant because the evil one will sometimes try and rob us of that sort of purpose, rob us of that sort of hope. Uh, God can't use me, or I've failed, or I've, you know, I've messed up too many times. I'm damaged goods. But when you see and understand, I suppose, the way the Bible presents people in their good times and their bad, we understand in our courage that there's nothing that we can do that will disqualify us from God's love. And today we're going to look at King David. We're going to look at Psalm 51. And we're going to see what comes as a result of his worst moments. Times when King David did some horrible things. And so we know that he's a biblical hero. We know that he's a a, a provider of many psalms and songs and insights that inspire us in our worship. But King David also failed miserably and horribly and hurt a lot of people. And when we read Psalm 51 today, we're going to be encouraged to see that if God can restore King David, he can restore us. If God's able to continue to use David, even though he fails so badly, none of us can disqualify ourselves by what we do. And that's an important thing to know because you and I will fail, we will mess up. And to have that freedom or have that weight lifted off us that uh, nothing disqualifies us from God is an important thing. And you know, if the, if the Bible was sort of edited, if the Bible didn't have all those warts and all moments, you and I would be feeling really bad because all we'd see is all the good stuff. But I love the way the Bible has all the bad stuff in there as well because that's good for me and it's good for you. So if you have your Bibles, if you'd like to turn to Psalm 51... Our joy and our hope and our peace comes from us understanding the importance of repentance. So God has given us victory over our brokenness and our sin, but we still have a part to play. And what enables King David, I suppose, to have this hope, what enables King David to approach God is the confidence that he has in God's amazing love. And we read in verse 1, we get an insight. Have mercy on me, O God. Why, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. And so we need to get into the game. Sometimes you and I are sitting on the sidelines or we're removed from our purposes of God because we think God can't use us. We think we've failed too often, we've messed up too big. And sometimes we sort of think, I, you know, yes, I'm a part of God's family, but I'm really not part of it in a way that God can use me. But King David understood he had a boldness about him where he could come and approach God, not on his terms of what he could do for God, but he came before God recognizing God's character, unfailing love and great compassion. And that's the significance of his request. His boldness, his confidence comes, yes, David committed adultery. And as a result of that, he was a part of a murder. And then he was really wanting to be a part of a cover-up because he never spoke about it at all until Nathan challenged him nine months later. 
So King David did a horrible, terrible thing, but then he just thought, oh, nothing to see here. Life will just go on as normal, no big deal. In total denial. And yet he's done this horrible thing, but he has this confidence because he knows of God's unfailing love and his great compassion. If you are just able to leave here today knowing this, where you can just defy the the discouragement of the evil one and that you can rise up in boldness, there's nothing that can disqualify you from God's love. There's nothing that you can do that will put you aside from him. There's nothing that you can do that will disqualify you by being used by him in his purposes. And it's such a relief. It's so good to sort of rise above our brokenness. It's so good to understand that there's nothing that we can do that can disqualify us from God's love. How good is it to know that with God, the door is always open, always open. And we don't always get that because we live in a world where it's easy to be disqualified. Uh, If you decide to speed too much too often, they will disqualify your license and you're not able to drive legally anyway. But if you do that a number of times, they'll disqualify you for life. Just can't do that. You're out. Done. That never happens with God. One of the things that I feel most for is the Olympians. I'm not sure it's different for some sports, but I know in sprinting that if they false start one or two times, they're just out. They just walk off. They take their boots and walk off. They train for four years to be at Olympics. They get there, they make a mistake, and they're out. I'm sure it's swimming. I don't think, I think you get one go. If you jump in too quick, you're done. You're dust. So you and I live in a world where we're always mindful that if I don't keep to the rules and do the right thing, I can be disqualified. I can be put out. But I want to encourage you this morning. The door to God, His mercy and His grace, His unfailing love and His compassion means the door is always open. There's nothing that can disqualify you from His love. And that's not the experience of life and that's not how we understand it. But that's the good news that's the good news. There's always an opportunity to be restored. And so we understand that that situation that we have where we are part of God's family is always available to us. So I need to be clear. If you haven't done business with Jesus, if at some point you haven't stood before Jesus and understood your sin and recognize that when Jesus died on the cross, it was for your sin. If you haven't done business with Jesus, if you haven't had that face-to-face encounter with him, you are outside of God's family. That is true. There needs to be this place where what we call born again, we're broken, where we come and say, I have no life in myself. My only life is in what Jesus achieved for me on the cross. That's really important for us to understand. However, if you have come to that place where you have been born again, if you have received God's Spirit, if you are a child of God, you don't have to repent to be a part of that family more than once. Repentance is not our ticket into the family of God after the initial one. So we repent and we acknowledge our sin and we receive His forgiveness, but this is the amazing thing. That forgiveness is eternal. Past, present and future sin is all taken care of. So our status as a child of God is always forgiven. Always. And so repentance is not a means by which we are re-entered back into the family where we're taken back. We don't repent so that we're part of the family again as if we've been kicked out of it. 
But repentance happens initially, and then we're a part of the family, and that forgiveness is eternal. The word justified, or what we talk about, to be made right with God. All of the insights that we have to the Greek language confirm this. We are justified once and for all. It is the one only event that has ongoing consequences. So we cannot be made right with God any more than once, because when we're made right, we're made right eternally. So it's really important for us to understand that. Sometimes we sort of think, oh, well, you know, I'm outside of the family or I'm in. (laughs) I'm in and I'm out because of the way that we fail and we, we fall short. That is not the case. Repentance isn't the means by which we stay in the family of God, apart from that initial response. Ongoing repentance has another function. It's important, but it's not to keep us into the family of God. Now, David didn't have very good morals, but he had excellent theology. (laughs) And he understood that if he goes to God, there's nothing that he can do that can uh, disqualify him. And we read from verse 2, "'Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin.'" So there's a sense when we recognise who Christ is and what he's done, and when we take that and make it personal and we accept his gift of grace and forgiveness... We are in a state of forgiveness for an eternity. Your relationship with God, if your faith has been put in Jesus, if you've had that encounter, you are forgiven for an eternity. Past, present and future sin is taken care of. It no longer has any power of you. Colossians makes it really clear. It says you are free from all accusation. So if repentance for you is this means by which we come to God so that we're welcome back into the family, that is bad theology, that is not correct. Repentance has a part and we're going to talk about it, but I want to set you free from this unnecessary burden of thinking that you have to keep repenting to keep enjoying God's love. Because when, when we come to that place and that encounter initially... We are justified, we are made right for God once and for all. Forgiveness is eternal. So you might say, Paul, then what's the point of repentance? Why is that important? Why do we need to live a life of of repentance? And and that is a good question. I mean, we struggle with it, A, because we live in a world where uh, we're easily disqualified. If we keep doing the same things or we keep doing the wrong things, people can kick us out and we say, never to be come back again, disqualified forever. So that idea is hard for us to get hold of that we're forgiven for an eternity. But the second thing is that we know as part of uh, the Bible that repentance is important. So if it doesn't get us into the family of God, what does repentance do? For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are proved right when you speak and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Surely you desire truth in the inner parts. You teach me wisdom in the inmost place." When we sin as children of God, so we're forgiven, we enjoy the status of being forgiven as a child of God. That's for an eternity. However, it is right that when you and I make mistakes, we have a sense of shame. We have a sense of regret. We have this sense that, hey, I haven't done the right thing. Something needs to be sorted here. 
And when we get to understand that all sin is against God, we realise not only do we need to seek the apology of those that we hurt and, and repent and turn around and go in a different direction, we don't just have to deal with those people in our lives that we may have hurt and apologise. But there is this issue with God because Paul says when you sin, all sin is against him. And so we understand that our relationship with God is under pressure when we sin. We're not out of the family, we're still his children, but we're not enjoying the blessing. So my dad, who passed away a number of years ago, but my dad will always be my dad. Doesn't matter what happens, we'll be for an eternity. My position in the family won't, will never change. You can't change that. He will always be my dad. But if while he was alive, I did something that hurt him and I never recognised it, I never apologised for it, I never repented of it, then that relationship would be under some pressure. It would be under some strain. I'm not enjoying the fullness of the relationship. And this is what happens in our relationship with God. Remember with Adam, God said in the garden, where are you? You're not where you're supposed to be. We can be children of God, say, because we put our faith in Jesus, but we're not close to him. We're not close to him because sin has come in and caused a barrier and we've never really repented of it. We've never really changed direction. We just sort of live with it. And this is the danger. This is the danger. This is the wonderful truth that our, my sin and your sin, past, present and future, is dealt with. It is eternal. We are made right God with once and for all. But the human response can be we make friends with sin. In other words, we do things that we shouldn't do, but we're happy. Well, we're not happy about it, but we're just comfortable with it. In other words, we just live with it. Oh, we all make mistakes. And the sad thing is, unless that sin is repented of, unless we acknowledge it, unless there's a sense of, this hurts God. When I do the wrong thing, it causes God pain. Until we understand that, we won't live that life of repentance that we need to live. Because the relationship is damaged. So the freedom that we have, the joy that we have, comes from repenting because of shame. Now, shame is universal. Shame's not just for the Christians. But in some ways, shame is a good thing. I hope that when I do the wrong thing, when I sin, when I hurt you or do something wrong, that I will experience some regret and some shame. I, I, I really trust that I will always feel remorse. I shouldn't have done that. But it can be turned around. And this is the beauty of repentance. When you live under shame, you carry that weight and that burden of guilt. But we don't have to carry it. We don't have to carry it a second longer than we need to because when we repent, not only are we forgiven once and for all and we're not out of God's family, but when we repent, the relationship with God is back where it needs to be. We're close to him. Now, I really admire those athletes when you see them while some walk and some run where they carry around extra weight. Uh, I'm flat out just carrying me around, so I don't need any extra weight. But you see some athletes and some people walking and the power walkers, they're good, aren't they? They really get into it and they say, good on you, you go for it. But they carry extra weight because the extra weight helps them to get fitter or bigger or stronger or something like that. Or you think about a soldier, you think about that great big pack that they carry. Or you think about our young adults going up to Mount Barney carrying all the stuff they need. They choose to do that because, well, it's good for them. A soldier needs a backpack. He needs to carry that weight. 
But I can assure you of this. It's not good for a Christian to carry the weight of shame. You don't want to carry it a second longer than you need to. And so if we understand that repentance is to get me back into the family, we don't understand theology. If we think repentance or when we have communion, that really worries me. Sometimes I know communion is really important and we should do it every week. But it worries me that in some people's thinking, if we don't have communion, I'm not forgiven. You are forgiven once and for all. In fact, all of your sin was future when Jesus died on the cross. When Jesus died on the cross to save you and cover your sin, it was all in the future. So everything you've done, everything you're going to do, if you're in Christ, you are forgiven. That's your eternal status. If you haven't done business with Jesus, you're outside of the family and you're not forgiven. And you need to talk to me today. But if you are... This is the beauty of it. We are forgiven. Repentance just restores us to the Father. Repentance helps us to enjoy the forgiveness that we already have. And this is what we see as we read through this psalm where David understood his theology and he knew that he did terrible, horrible things. But he understood that God's unfailing love and his limitless compassion was enough. Nothing can disqualify you from God's purposes. Nothing can disqualify you from God's love. But repentance is good and healthy. And we need to live a life that is a life of repentance. When we do the wrong thing, we have regret. We deal with the shame. We get rid of it. But we turn around and say, God, this isn't good enough because all sin is against you. And so the abuse of God's grace could be, well, I'm forgiven. It doesn't matter but it does matter. God could well be calling out to you, where are you? Because you're not where you're supposed to be. You're not close to me. Why? Because we become friends with sin. Oh, we, we, we don't murder people or do things like that, but we've just got so comfortable with sin, we think, oh, well, I sin, that's what Christians sin, that's okay. But a life of repentance is getting rid of the shame by saying, God, I need to be right with you. I want to be close to you. I don't want to be distant to you. And so the life of repentance is really important because shame is something that can just bog us down and and it can be a terrible thing. Uh, Every year, as a staff, we do um, first aid training. Uh, And to be honest, I'm really glad that I've never had to resuscitate someone. (laughs) Um, Mainly because that would be tough, but I feel like when I've walked out of the class, I've forgotten everything and I feel really inadequate. Uh, I will do my best. Uh, if, if I'm in that situation, I will pray and I'll pray and I'll do my best. But I, I, I'm, I'm just glad that I haven't had to do that. But I have thought, how good would it be? And there's probably those within our congregation who have done this and nurses and doctors and things. But how good would it be to resuscitate someone? In the sense, how good would it be to bring someone back to life? How good would that be? That's what repentance does. It doesn't keep us in the family of God because we're already there. So we don't repent so we're forgiven because we're already forgiven. But we repent so that we're drawn back closer to God. There's no barriers, there's no obstacles, there's nothing in the way so that he can bring dry bones to life. And way back then, this is what David understood. 
Cleanse me with the hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have crushed, in other words, his shame has crushed him, his regret, his guilt. <laughs> Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all of my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Repentance breathes life into dry bones. So we don't repent to be reminded of all our brokenness. We don't repent so we get back into the family of God. If we're in Christ, we're already, nothing can change that. So repentance isn't, oh, I'm a terrible person. Repentance is this, I want to be back close to God. Because all sin is against him. And if I don't repent of my sin, barriers build up. And we make friends with sin. And we get used to it. And we just go through our day saying, oh yeah, I made that mistake and that mistake. But it's not just, oh, I want to get God off my back. It's, I want to live. I want the joy of living as a child of God. I want my hope and my peace and my comfort restored. And the way that we do that is to live a life of repentance. Acknowledge it, get rid of the shame and enjoy the joy. And that's why a life of repentance is so important. And if King David can boldly claim it, so can we. No one is disqualified. Remember a couple of weeks ago we talked about Moses being able to talk face to face with God. That friendship, how good is that? And yet because if shame is not taken care of, if we just do what we want, we never really have those face-to-face talks with God. We sort of yell to him from a distance or we sort of talk to him, he might be behind us. But being face-to-face with God comes as we have a life of repentance. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Once we understand and live a life of repentance, healthy repentance, we'll never want to go back. Uh, I'm not sure now, it's probably three or four years ago, but I started using a CPAP machine. Uh, Evidently, while I was asleep, my brain would forget to breathe. And uh, evidently, that's not good for you. Um, But I started using this machine and it was good because uh, I would wake up in the morning and I'd I'd slept previously but I had no good results from it. But now I was feeling renewed and I had energy, I don't have afternoon sleeps anymore and the bruises are starting to heal where Kath used to thump me from snoring too much. (laughs) So it's a win-win. Now that CPAC machine, there's times when I hate it. Because it can be a little bit uncomfortable and you go to go away and you know, you've got to take it with you. It, it doesn't always create the best environment in the bedroom. If you get my drift, you know, you, you sort of, um, you know, shouldn't have gone there. Sorry. <laughs> I've just embarrassed my child <laughs> who thinks when you're 60, you're dead. <laughs> but now you feel a bit like Darth Vader with the mask on. So, you know, you've got to get over all those things. <laughs> That's the only thing you're going to remember today, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't actually love the mask and all that stuff. It's sort of awkward and it's, I wish I didn't have to do it. But I would never not wear it because I know that it gives me life and it gives me energy and it makes me whole in that sense. <laughs> That's like repentance. It's not nice. 
it's not nice to have that sort of spiritual discernment where you are willing to look at and acknowledge every time you make a mistake. It's easier to be friends with sin and just sort of cover it up and not worry about it. But once you understand the joy and the freedom of repentance and you live that life and your spiritual radar is honed in on your sin, and not to get back into the family, not to get rid of that, but just to make our position with God right, you'd never go back. So I want to encourage you in a couple of ways this morning. There is nothing that you can do that can disqualify you from God's love. Nothing. David understood the unfailing and the compassionate love of God. There's nothing that you can do. Understand that when you take that step of faith and you ask God to be uh, Heavenly Father and Christ to be your Saviour, you recognise your sin. When you do that initial repentance, your forgiveness is eternal. Past, present and future. Take and care. Don't let anyone change you or convince you or never think any other way because it will flow through in every other aspect of your life. If there's no joy in your Christian experience, it's because you don't understand that you are forgiven once and for all. The other thing we need to understand is that shame needs to be dealt with. It doesn't keep us from God, uh, from his attitude towards us, but it keeps us from him. And we don't have those face-to-face talks like Moses does if we're not repenting. We know he's there, but we just, it just feels awkward. <laughs> but once we understand the joy and the freedom of repentance and a life of repentance, you'll never go back. Because David understood, even though he did some horrible things, that this would bring his dry bones to life. This would restore him. This would bring back his joy. So it's not good to talk about sin in that sense. It's not nice for us to recognise it whenever we fall or fail. But we should. Because the joy and the freedom of repentance will set us free. I trust this morning as part of our journey towards personal renewal, revival in the church, this is where it will start. That we have the honesty, integrity to call out and understand, yes, we fail and we make mistakes. It's forgiven but the shame will kill us and we'll put on masks and we'll play the Christian game. We'll look good on the outside, but we're dying on the inside. For us as a church, individually and collectively, to experience renewal and revival for God's Spirit to give us that life, to bring our dry bones to life, you and I have to understand the importance of living a life of repentance. Daily talking with God, saying, I'm sorry. I'm going to go in a different direction. I know all sins against you, God. This is not good. Let's not make friends with sin. Let's just repent of it so that we can draw close to God.